Thank you, Lisa. My name's Luke, if I haven't met you. It is good to have you with us today. Uh, just to reiterate uh, what Steve said, the welcome, uh, particularly come over to our house for lunch, 25th, 24th, last Sunday of February, whatever that is. Uh, it is 25th, right. Um, I always get those dates wrong in February. So that's uh, midday to 2 p.m. You can scan the QR code and let, you know, let us know. Don't, it doesn't have to be if you're just new at the church in the last little while. If you haven't been over to our house and we haven't had some time with you, we'd love to meet you, share a little bit about what makes us tick. The other thing to let you know about, again, uh, just a particular word about the home groups uh, that Steve mentioned. There actually isn't a sign-up sheet in the foyer because we're kind of going a little bit more paperless this year. But we can put one up there if you want. But the um, home groups 2024, 20, 20, so marksforhour.org, home groups 2024 is the address, or check the email if you've got one. Would love everybody to join a group uh, if, if at all possible. And the way that form's been set out is really not just picking groups. There are some groups that you can choose to be part of that are at set times. Uh, but there are other ways that you can just express when you're available and your preference to meet. We can actually try to create groups around people's availability. So please, uh, it is really, I have become more and more convinced they're really an essential part of our life together. Uh, gathering on Sundays and in home groups, uh, that would be a wonderful thing to do. Particular reference to uh, the group, a new group that's been, that I mentioned last week that's starting up this term. I'm, um, Jim, I'm not sure, is it starting... This, as in tomorrow night? Well, there you go. Uh, so tomorrow night, it's, we're, we're not calling it alpha, we're calling it beta. So there you go. It's kind of a... And we, we thought, oh, what are, you know, there's, there's a bit of a double meaning on that. It's, it's the next thing after you've done alpha. We think alpha is a great course to do to open up those big questions of life, faith, meaning. And this, this group is really for people who are keen to check out Jesus, check out some of the claims he made. Is he the real deal? And you know how you beta test products and things like that? We thought this could be like, you know, you're beta testing Jesus. Not that that's theologically the right way to go, but, you know, you know what I mean. You're kind of checking out Jesus, seeing does he actually make sense. And so that's um, starting tomorrow night, uh, and we're going to see how that goes this term. Chat to Jim, who's over there, or indicate your interest on the home group sign-up. That would be wonderful. Well, I'm going to pray again because uh, whether you need prayer, I need prayer for this series, so I'm going to pray. Uh, Father, we do pray as we come to this part uh, of your word, particularly as we come to this topic of the Great Commission, we ask, we ask that you'll be uh, giving us clarity of mind, you'll be helping us to be convicted where we need to be convicted. Uh, we ask that your spirit will be at work as we think together uh, what it is you've called us to be involved in here on earth. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. So we are beginning this important teaching series, which I pray uh, will uh, really help us in our focus this year, which has been on uh, what it means to grow together, not just grow as individuals, but grow together as a community. And I have been praying that this series will be one that we'll refer back to uh, throughout the year and maybe the years ahead. Uh, what we're going to do today is going to be a little different. It's going to be a bit shorter than normal. Some of you might be pleased to know. Uh, and it's going to be a little bit different in the way we're doing it. What I would like to do just in this little time, I want to convince you why the rest of this series is worth listening to and wrestling with uh, and being here each week, if at all possible, getting out your diaries and thinking, imagining it's kind of like a course where you've got to go to each of them. I know that we don't want to be legalistic about coming to church on Sundays. 
But if you can think about it that way, if you can do whatever you can to clear your diaries to be here every week or to catch up on the weeks that you've missed and to be there with your home groups, um, that would be wonderful because they really are some quite foundational things that we're looking at. Uh, just before I go any further, just speaking of home groups again, the groups, we've got five studies that will be uh, following uh, this series and th those studies will start in a couple of weeks' time and so groups will be forming over these couple of weeks. Some will start this week, some will start next week uh, and so please, uh, th th there'll be five studies that we'll be looking at. We won't be looking at every single uh, week but they will be following along uh, with some of the key Sundays that we're doing in this teaching series. But before we go any further, I would like to just share a few disclaimers before we get in too much into this series. Uh, the first disclaimer is that if you are here today and um, you might feel in your heart that you're not yet a Christian, you're not yet a believer in that sense, uh, that is, you, you, don't, you know in your heart uh, that you're not someone yet who knows and loves and trusts Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, can I just say, first of all, it is so, so wonderful that you are with us today, whether it's your first time or you've been coming for a while. And I, I, I appreciate that a lot of the things that happen in churches, even as normal as we are, we are still pretty weird and strange in many ways. I do hope uh, that you find your time with us very helpful for wherever you're at in life and faith, and you do feel welcome at St Mark's and loved here even if we do that uh, imperfectly. I just want to say that particularly today because a lot of this series, more so than other series that we're looking at, uh, has a level of assumed buy-in with the news of Jesus and I don't mean assumed knowledge because what we're looking at is not particularly complex in that sense but it has a level of assumed buy-in, that is we are kind of on board with Jesus, it's really directed, uh, when Jesus has these words of the commission and his instructions that he gives his disciples uh, in light of his uh, death and his resurrection, he's giving it to them because they are his followers and the distinction uh, in the order is really important. The series that we're looking at is not about a series of things we must do in order to become acceptable before God. This isn't a series, a checklist of requirements for us in order to receive the promise of salvation. The purpose of this series is for us as a church community to get clarity on the question, okay, we have accepted Jesus, we have given our lives to him, we're this community of people, what on earth are we doing now? <laughs> because of what Jesus has done for us, what on earth are we doing now? So if you're here and you're not yet a follower or a disciple of Jesus, a Christian, my prayer is that this time will be helpful for you as you can see what the Christian life might look like. But can I encourage you, uh, in addition to this time on, on Sundays, to, to check out the life and ministry of Jesus. Get along to Jim's group. Wrestle with what he has done for us, who he is. But that's the first disclaimer, that's the, um, the, the content of this series is particularly got a bit of assumed buy-in before we get, and we won't be able to kind of go back as much as we would normally when we're going through a passage of the scriptures. Uh, the second disclaimer is that uh, you're going to hear the phrase make disciples a lot uh, during this series, uh, so much so that you might get very sick of hearing it very quickly. 
you might find yourself thinking, surely there is more to what we do as Christians than making disciples. Well, it really kind of depends on how we understand the language, which we're going to unpack in weeks to come. Often we think of making disciples as just narrowly making converts. And so if we are not converting people here at St Mark's, then we mustn't be making disciples. But we're going to see that the, uh, the language of making disciples is not as narrow. It actually is a lot broader than that. So can I encourage those of us who have been around church scene for the church scene for a while uh, not to switch off when you hear the language of making disciples perhaps thinking i know what we're going to talk about because i'm kind of a test case i kind of know as i've been preparing this series i've been i found my own thinking corrected sharpened refreshed many times and i hope that will be the case for you if you feel quite familiar with this idea of making disciples uh, some might have a, res- a resistance uh, to talking too much about making disciples. Well, I was in a group uh, in, in a previous a few churches earlier than this and, and one of the group members said, I don't like the language of making disciples. I prefer to use the language of making friends, right? Making friends with Jesus. And you can kind of see on one level there's an appeal to that. The language of friendship is warmth. It captures something about the relationship dynamic. But if we only ever talked about the friendship with Jesus, we would lose something, wouldn't we? Can I, can I encourage you not to uh, resist the language of making disciples if you feel it's too mechanical, too human-centred, too impersonal? My prayer is that assumption will change as the series goes on. Well, there's some of the disclaimers out of the way. Um, let's spend some time now thinking about why the words of Jesus at the end of Matthew 28... And their implications are so important for us as a community to listen to and think through this term. So I've got a number of basic reasons that are quite profound why we should listen to these words. And the first one is we listen to Jesus because of what Jesus has done. Now, a little bit earlier in the um, this section, we read... Uh, this account of what happened just before these words were said. That This is the famous account of the resurrection. From verse 5 of chapter 28, the angel told the women, don't be afraid because I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here for he has been resurrected just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has been raised from the dead. In fact, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So we're listening to the words of Jesus in light of what Jesus has done. Now, this is kind of central stuff for the Christian faith because of his death and because of his resurrection. These particular words are said by Jesus after he has been publicly declared and noted to be resurrected, as he said, in light of his death. And so these words, particularly because of all the events that have led up to Jesus' death and his resurrection, all these events have taken place. Jesus has proved that what he said has come true. He has proved with power that he is the Son of God. He's saying these words because of what Jesus has done. 
We are wise to listen to him. Now, of course, if you don't think that Jesus actually rose from the dead, that is, again, something worth checking out, and it would very much change the weight of the words we're about to look at. But if you do believe, like most of us do here today, that Jesus actually bodily rose from the grave, then he is worth listening to. That's the first reason. The second reason is we listen to Jesus because of his authority. Now, we heard in the first reading, that reading that from Psalm 2, talking about God's great king. We see in Psalm 2, I have consecrated my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I'll declare the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today, I have become your father. Ask of me and I'll make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. So there's a big claim to authority there, isn't there? There's a big claim, the nations being the inheritance, the ends of the earth, your possession. This is talking about God's king. And then we see in Matthew 28, Jesus comes comes near and he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That's all authority. So Jesus got a huge, huge claim to authority. Now we as Christians, we kind of know that, we'll tick that box. But you know those times when we can find ourselves maybe knowing something, maybe something, knowing something theoretically true is true, but then we just forget it in the moment. I, I was at a church, a previous church, where I was chatting to someone over morning tea, and I had just finished, or I had, I had completed kind of an arts and politics degree, and I knew a little bit about arts and politics, not that much, but anyway, I was chatting to someone over morning tea. It was a guest who'd come to the church. And some, some things got raised and, and I thought, oh, this is something I can talk about. So I started talking with quite a bit of authority on this subject, not realising that this was kind of like a world expert in Sydney for a bunch of lectures um, to, to, to university lecturers, quietly kind of just listening to me and, and I just felt like the biggest idiot. Uh, halfway through I realised this, who this person was and, and suddenly that my sense of, okay, this guy is an authority he doesn't need to listen to me. <laughs> I'll listen to him. Sometimes we can drift into these words of just, oh, yeah, they're familiar words. They, we'll put it in a little plaque. We'll, we'll just do that and put it in maybe a little document somewhere. But these words have great, great authority, particularly Jesus saying these words in light of his authority. So that's the second thing. We listen to Jesus because of his authority, demonstrated by what he has done, declared by God himself, his father. Third thing, we listen to Jesus because he is speaking to us. And this is where some of us can, can find ourselves, when we hear these words, making disciples and all this kind of stuff, we can write it off and say, well, this is, must be about a whole bunch of other people, not us. See what Jesus says, verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now, sometimes when we read the Bible, uh, we know as Christians in churches like ours, we go, all of the Bible's God's word, all of it's to us, but there are some bits that are clearly not directly to us. When we read a conversation that Paul had or something he had in Acts or a, a conversation or a narrative in, in, in the Old Testament, it's to us, but it's not to us. There's often, it's, it's relevant for us It's God's word that is relevant to us, but the actual, in terms of the grammar and the syntax, it's not actually directed to us in that way. And so when we come to passages like this, which says, you know, 
go and make disciples of all nations. We go, well, must, that's to the first disciples, but it's not to us. Well, I actually think the passage very clearly does mean it's for us. First of all, it says to all nations, not just Judea, not just Samaria, just at the end, but not just but all nations, and that includes Barara, Barara Heights, Cowan, Brooklyn, Mount Karangai, Mooney Mooney. What else have I missed out? Hornsby, Mount Cola. Mount yeah, Mount Cola's not in that parish. No, I'm just, no, no. They, you know, you want me? It, it means every all nations, right? I think I've made my point. As isolated as we might be up here, all nations, right? That includes us. So the first disciples didn't go to Jesus. The first disciples didn't get to the ends of the earth. While we praise God for the for the fact that as horrific as the events of January twenty six might have been in in certain areas and might have kickstarted a whole bunch of things that might have happened that we've talked about a few weeks ago, we praise God that the gospel came to these lands. We praise God. So, all nations. Second, Jesus is with his disciples always to the end of the lifetime of the first generation of disciples. No, to the end of the age. That includes his disciples here in 2024. So these words of Jesus can't just be written off as just kind of, you know, words that were said in a context at a time just to the original disciples. Jesus is very clearly taking a cosmic scope, all authority, heaven on earth, all time to the end of the age, all nations. So he's speaking to us. We have to listen, don't we? Think about what he might mean. The fourth reason why we listen is because of what is at stake. Now, this is a hard one for us to talk about sometimes when we, when we risk, because it can bring up uh, quite, quite triggering emotions. And that is, Jesus talks th- about the fact that eternity is at stake. There's a heaven and then there's a hell. The Bible talks about that. If we just said, oh, well... Just everyone just needs to know the love of God, and if you if you know it, that's a bonus for you. If you don't, well, it doesn't really matter too much. There's a lot at stake. Uh, the Salvation Army uh, pastor, turn of the century, wrote a, a famous poem called "A Vision for the Lost." William Booth, you might have uh, heard about it, and he describes uh, a vision he had where the um, there's a platform that emerges out of an ocean where people are drowning. It's like a stormy ocean. And, and people are, are being brought up onto the platform and, and finding kind of refuge from, the, from drowning. And then he observes in his joy people being pulled up, kind of the image that we had. They're being pulled up onto that platform. One at a time. And then he also observed the grief that after people have been pulled up and started pulling up a few others, they forgot and they just started playing cricket and all that, just enjoying life on the platform, just whereas where they came from was a distant memory. It's very clear throughout the New Testament the reason the Great Commission is so important is because so much is at stake. Yes, of course, God is sovereign. Yes, of course, God is sovereign, but he does his work through his people. And anybody... Uh, who has um, 
and either this is your situation or you certainly probably know people in this situation. If you're a, a parent, uh, you'll know people or it's true of you personally where you've, you've raised your children to know and love Jesus and there's a tragic tearing if any of them decide, I don't want to follow Jesus anymore. It's not just a lifestyle decision, is it? There's a grief that comes with that because there's a lot at stake. And so as we feel that grief in the people in our own immediate circles, how much more is that grief for the people we haven't met? How much more? If you think about that, there's a lot at stake. Now again, as we look at this series, we're not just going to be talking about what we call evangelism and mission in that sense. It's going to come into it. We're going to think about what does Jesus mean when he says go and make disciples of all nations so returning to what on earth we are doing as we wrap up i just wanted to note a couple of things about how this uh the grammar is structured that we can sometimes miss starts with a therefore all right the word therefore now that is in light of everything that jesus has done in light of his authority therefore so it's making sure the order is correct now we often say go and make disciples as if go is the command it's actually not the command in the in the original language is make disciples of all nations and then under that jesus explains what that looks like it looks like going it looks like baptizing so that's the kind of what we would talk about converts or people turning from death to life but it also involves teaching it involves teaching people to obey so we make disciples as parents and dan and liz will be making these promises next week in the baptism make disciples as they teach alex to obey everything that jesus has taught and then we note and we remember that jesus is with us always to the end of the age now this, this is this, um, Jesus with us always. Now, we do know that God is with us as his people. He has poured his spirit into us. So that is a great comfort that God is with us in every step of our life, in all that we do. But this particular verse, I don't think is referring to just the general sense that Jesus is with us uh, after he has been resurrected. I think he's referring here. Jesus is with us always, particularly as we do his business, if that's the right word, as, as we fulfill his commission jesus saying i'm with you always in this activity i'm with you always to the very end of the age so i'll tell you where we're going to go for this series and then we'll finish up next week we're going to think about why we're called to make disciples we're going to look at where the whole of history is heading following week we're going to think about what a disciple actually is like uh, the word means learner but what does it actually mean what is the what does it mean when jesus is talking about disciples then we're going to think about how are disciples actually made if we're called to people who be participants in making disciples how in what sense is it our work and not just all up to god how does that work we're going to think about who makes disciples is it just uh, the gifted people or is it everyone where are disciples made and then we'll finish up on the 17th of March before our weekend uh, away. We're going to think about how do we grow together as disciples of Jesus. So that's where we're going.
I commend it to you, and I commend uh, it to your prayers, praying for your engagement through this series, and that it will prove to be uh, fruitful for us as a church as we go forward. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we do give you thanks that you haven't just left us here, not knowing uh, what you are calling us to be involved in. We thank you for the privilege of being involved in your work of making disciples. And we ask that as we consider what it might look like for us here at St Mark's personally and as a community, that you'll be giving us that courage and that confidence, uh, heeding those words, knowing that your son is with us always to the very end of the age, particularly as we seek to honour him and make disciples of all nations. We ask this in his name. Amen. stand as we respond by singing together that there is one gospel on which